and welcome to the Point of Care Ultrasound Certification Academy podcast, where we focus on POCUS. Here, we will discuss all things related to Point of Care Ultrasound, the practice, the trends, and its impact on healthcare. Our program will engage thought leaders who are defining global patient care with the stethoscope of the future. James Day recording live from the Focus on Pocus studios. In fact, a brand new studio that moved from uh, Folcroft, Pennsylvania, out here to Media, Pennsylvania, live here from Media, Pennsylvania, the new, brand new Focus on Pocus studios. Today, we have Sue Ann Pascal, who is a highly experienced ultrasound educator and businesswoman. Starting her career in Queensland, she has gone on to work across Australia and New Zealand helping to establish a private practice clinic and working in senior management role for National Radiology Company. Over the last 15 years, Sue Ann has dedicated her career to ultrasound education. Having cut her teeth on training sonographers, she joined forces with her business partner, Oriana Tolo, to establish Australia's first dedicated point-of-care education company. In the intervening years, ZDU has grown to offer ultrasound training to all medical specialties, and is recognized internationally for its cutting-edge hands-on training. Wow, here we are, reaching all the way across the Pacific to Sue Ann Pascoe, one of the leading point-of-care and all-things ultrasound trainers. How are you today, Sue Ann? Good, thanks, James. How are you going? I'm going good. I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going good today. It's a rainy day here, and uh, it's, you're coming in loud and clear. That's great. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, lots to talk about here. I, I've seen you at many conventions, and you guys do great work. Um, I guess we'll start it off with a typical question across your bow here. Is How did you get started in the point-of-care ultrasound? Well, it uh, started with me. I was teaching sonographers as an independent uh, sort of local educator up and down the east coast of Australia. And um, ultrasound in Australia is a postgraduate qualification, so our ultrasound qualification here is kind of like doing the uh, RDMS, RVT and RMSK qualifications all together. So it's a two-year qualification and our sonographers train everything all at once to get a postgraduate in medical ultrasound. So I was teaching up and down the East Coast and uh, I bumped into Oriana at a uh, conference one time just to say, hey, do you want to come and help me do some musculoskeletal training for some of my students? And uh, she sort of asked me some odd question and said, you know, well, what do you mean? And I thought, it's a really odd question. At the time, my little girl was uh, 18 months old, wasn't seeing a whole lot of her dad because I was dragging her around the country with me. So I was hoping to sort of stay home a little bit more. And um, I happened to be doing a locum at a hospital in Melbourne. And it was kind of a sliding doors moment because the doctor, I rocked up to work one morning and, and a doctor who was wanting to get his uh, qualification, his advanced qualification in ultrasound, he'd sort of campaigned for ages to try and uh, get this training position and to get a couple of days a week in the imaging department. And he started and they're like, oh, you teach Suanne, you, you know, take him with you. And, uh, and then they came in at lunchtime and canned it. And mm. he was furious. And I kind of went around and I kept, oh, what, what are you going to do now? Like, where are you going to get your training? How are you going to do this? And I just kept pestering him. And he said, you know, well, there's, 
there's no there's no real option. You know, I've done the one that's already available, wasn't so wrapped, and I want I want to do something different. And I want to take this further. And so I saw an opportunity, and I thought, well, what's available down here? And he said, nothing. There used to be something with one of the universities, but nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of all lined up nicely. So we started with a course that was initially an emergency medicine course. And our first course, we were nervous as. We were really worried about uh, starting and making sure that it was clinically relevant. It was, um, you know, one of the people who we'd asked along the way, you know, can you recommend people to be involved with us, had had been quite hostile in her approach, I guess, and sort of said, well, you know, you're not teaching these doctors to be sonographers. You need to teach them how to use ultrasound as a clinical tool. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuck with me. And, and, and the rest of that sentence went, and for God's sake, don't turn the lights out. Um, you know, you can't turn the lights out in the emergency room and in a, in a crashing situation. So it makes sense. But it just reinforced the point that it's a clinical tool and not to teach them to become sonographers. So we were always really, really concerned with making it clinically relevant. Uh, and so everything we did was focused around, have we really got this right? Have we got this uh, down to the right level or are we being too much like sonographers? So... We had doctors involved very much from the first day uh, to help us make sure we had the pitch right. And that first course, the first couple of nights we went home, uh, we were exhausted. It was adrenaline by the day, all day, because we were just, you know, worried that we'd got everything right, delivering our presentations for the first time. Um, you know, we'd invested a lot by this stage to get it to that to that point. So... That was the beginning and then it sort of evolved from there that it became an intensive care course and once we figured out how we could get pregnant patients reliably, we could work and move into sort of rural and remote or uh, family medicine type applications Mm -hmm. and then, you know, get a few more pregnant patients and we could really tap into them very reliably because it's quite a challenge. Um, You wouldn't think so, but it is. But then we could offer obstetric courses and then, then we started getting queries for different things, so anaesthetics, you know, rehab medicine, uh, you know, across all different types of medicine. So it started as emergency medicine with us packing up a couple of massage beds in the back of a box trailer right. and carting that around and setting everything up every day and hiring a hotel venue. And then eventually we ended up with our own training facility and set things up more permanently and slowly dwindled how much clinical uh, medical imaging practice we were doing and then moved on to be doing more and more courses until that became a full-time gig for us. You know, that's wild. I mean, the trajectory is uh, from teaching sonographers to teaching the ER physicians and then expanding out the different specialties. And now I'm looking on your website uh, the ZDU website here, and it says pet ultrasound for vets. Wow! So now you guys are moving into that, huh? Yeah, that's that's a new one. Insofar as we're about to we're about to start doing that, we had some inquiries from uh, some vets and some and a company who was like, we really need help to 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 do this. And one of the things that's really hard is the getting the ethics approval. Uh, 
they're having trouble getting access to animals. And you know, people are happy enough to kind of bring in their pets, but every time you bring in your dog and stuff, you have to have a vet on hand. You have to be able to put the, the animal, the cat, whichever, to sleep. You have to be able to kennel it. You have to, and it's actually really quite expensive to get a, a ticket each and every time that you're mm-hmm. on the course. So our plan is kind of to do it a little bit left of field uh, and to use people to practice on because, well, uh, I'm going to quote our Australian of the Year this year who um, helped rescue the, the guys out of the cave in Thailand and, uh-huh. and he's a vet and he sort of said, it turns out that anaesthetising animals is not that much different to anaesthetising small children um, <laughs> and it worked to help them get out the, get out the cave. So... Um, you know, the technique, the actual physicality of scanning people and getting a picture, you're still dealing with ribs. And when you look at the, when you look at the images, the images are very, very similar. They use the same sort of, uh, like they've got the AFAST and the TFAST, which are trademarked by a veterinarian, but they're, the AFAST is like an abdominal fast exam and the the T-FAST is the thoracic fast exam, but it's based on the same theory that it is in humans. And that's where they sort of studied it and then applied it to animals. So, you know, probably more more dogs get hit by cars than people. Yeah. And it's looking for the same sort of stuff. And the images are very similar. So, And they're using exactly the same equipment. So we want to teach them how to how to use that equipment confidently and how to get and acquire pictures um, but using people, but then, you know, obviously the theory and the rest of that will be around the puppies and around the kits, kittens and stuff. But, uh, you know, the practical aspects, uh, we can get more hands-on if we're doing people because people can actually give consent and dogs can't. So <laughs> that's, our, that's, that's, our, um, that's our theory anyway. Always something, isn't it? You know, and uh, all these ultrasound things. So what... Uh what motiv- what motivates you guys uh, teaching this point of care ultrasound? You have a lot of motivation for all things ultrasound. Yeah, well, I guess it was just before our first course. I mean, I was we started on the pathway to doing our first course, but then I, there was pivotal event in my life. My brother-in-law had a really very serious mud bike accident, mm. uh, and by rights, he probably shouldn't be with us. You know, I've seen a lot. More, uh, I've seen people who've had injuries like that who haven't made it, and I've certainly taught some of the doctors who looked after him, and they're incredibly shocked that he lived a functioning life that he can go to work and, uh, you know, carry out a full-time job. Um, so he had some really quite serious injuries, but he was very fortunate to be the recipient of a fast exam at at the roadside. Um, I saw his pictures in the hospital. I must say, when I saw his pictures in the hospital, I thought, you know, it's hard being in that situation when you have medical knowledge and the rest of the family doesn't. Sure. Um, the, you know, I saw his pictures and I just thought, holy moly. Um, you know, I don't know that this, the prospects here are very good. Um, you know, he's, he's okay, he can be. He has um, lasting injuries, but he does live a functioning life and he's, almost as good as it can be. Um, after that, it was only 18 months later, I myself had what I affectionately call a tube explosion, but I myself had an ectopic pregnancy. So I lay on the bed and had a fast exam. 
in that circumstance, I wouldn't want to be waiting for the medical imaging exam because I didn't have time to wait. I wouldn't be here talking about it if I did. Yes. And my husband also, um, he his heart valve failed. Um, you know, so I've had three sort of very personal in my immediate family, you know, life and death situations where an urgent ultrasound and a fast or a or a an, an ultrasound performed in the emergency room in a critical situation has really had an impact on how our condition was managed. So that that certainly sort of crystallised for me that me personally that you know you you everyone should have this skill. All doctors coming out of med school need to have this skill. It shouldn't be something that is just the privilege of the patient who happens to be showing up between nine and five in the tertiary referral hospital in the big city. It should be something that every patient should get and that every doctor should be able to do. But even if I just sort of take a step back from that and think about you know, someone's grandma who you know, falls over and breaks their hip, and in Australia, if that means that they have to fly to the nearest place to get it fixed in mm-hmm. the Royal Flying Doctors or something, just having a nerve block for pain relief while they travel, you know, if that keeps them comfortable, if that was my grandma, that's what I'd want to hurt, you know. And it's sure. quite a simple procedure to do and so much more safe with an ultrasound. Uh, that everyone should be able to do that sort of stuff. You know, those sorts of things, those sorts of reasons is what sort of gets me on. But I think the, I think the, the big thing is just as a teacher, if I can teach one doctor these skills, that one doctor can go out and have such a bigger ripple effect. Like they can go out and affect so many more lives. As compared with when I'm in clinical practice, it, you know, that, that work is really important. It just doesn't feel like it's having the same effect as if I pick one doctor to save many lives, so to speak. But then there's the everyday sort of, you know, just the satisfaction you get with when one of your learners has that aha moment and they, you know, the penny drops and they just suddenly get it and you just, you know, things just click and it falls into place. Yeah. It's yeah. really, really satisfying when you see that happen. So, you know, not apart from all that, I like getting out of the dark room. It's so much, it's so much, um, much more satisfying now to, to be working as part of a valued team and be in that team environment. Whereas I think a lot of the time in regular sonography practice, you're stuck in the dark room and you're quite isolated. You're just head down, bum up, work, 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 work. <laughs> you go home. Often you haven't had a chance to even have a chat to your colleagues because you're just busy getting through a list. Um, you know, you might interact with the radiologist who's often too busy to have conversation anyway. Sure. Um, so, you know, sort of coming out of that situation and being able to be in a much more team-orientated environment is so much more satisfying and being able to have that a ripple effect. You know, we have a whole lot of fun at BD. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun teaching and a lot of fun uh, making sure that these people have these skills and sending people off with something new yeah. that they can go home and use clinically. And you guys, I mean, that took you three familial, basic, traumatic, cosmic shoves to move you in this direction. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I honor that. That's that's pretty amazing stuff. Um, and I know how you feel about in a dark room grinding out, you know, images. And, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. So, um, ultrasound training solutions is now Zedo. How, what is what is that name? Is that an acronym for something? Can you elaborate? No, no, completely made up word. Okay. Completely made up word. <laughs> All and, right. And it's um, I have to say, it's harder coming up with a new name for a business than it is to name your child. It's uh, <laughs> um, so we we had a situation where um, you know, apparently ultrasound training solutions is such a cool name. Everyone wanted to use it, so we wanted to be able to distinguish ourselves as different and so that people Uh, know that they're getting us rather than, you know, just anyone. And we wanted to, like, we have innovative teaching methods. We wanted our name to be representative of who we are and who we've become along the way. Um, And the other thing we wanted to be able to do was to have a more, uh, a name that could be more than just ultrasound. Uh, that we can do. So we have been doing Train the Trainer. So we've done Train the, train the Ultrasound Trainer in uh, Portland, Oregon twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted our name to be able to expand beyond just ultrasound, whereas a name like Ultrasound Training Solutions says, we thought it was great at the time, it says exactly what we do, but it's, it, it puts a tight box around you and it says all that you can do is ultrasound, when in fact we can do more than that. Uh-huh. So we we... Uh, went through this rebrand, the naming, uh, re- renaming process, and uh, you know we were trying to get something very original and that no one else has got. Um, that you know ca- can't just slip into a sentence easily. Um, and the the process. Oh my goodness, we were thinking of. You know, we like a bit of green and purple. They were the old colours. We're a bit more colourful even now. But uh, there was what things are green and purple, what stones, what what life principles are there, what <laughs> uh, educational philosophers could we use? Yeah, um, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a quaint uh, Australian colloquialism or something. That's what I thought Zidu was, but it's completely fabricated. That's wild. Completely fabricated. Mm. And, and we, we got it down to a short list of about six, I think. And, and it turned out every single one of those six had either a Z or an X in it or the sound Z. And um, so we thought Z with the EDU with education. Um, so we reckon it's education with a bit of pizzazz. So uh, hopefully that, and, and you know, that's what we do. That's what we do day in, day out is um, education with pizzazz. So yeah, you guys are, um, and you guys are everywhere. You're globetrotters. I, I think I've seen you at, at pretty much every stateside convention. I know you're international. Um, you guys travel a lot, training every kind of people on ultrasound. And so, in during those travels, and I know you had hurdles on, uh, you know, changing your business name and things like that. But uh, do you ever have any uh, challenges or anything you had to face because you're professional? or business from the female perspective, anything like that? Yeah, we, uh, certainly when we started, our colleagues were not, our sonographer colleagues were not supportive of our endeavours of teaching doctors. You know, this is going back 11 or 12 years where point of care ultrasound was really still a political hot potato. And, (laughs) you know, we were, Kind of, we didn't openly tell our colleagues for three or four years 
if they found out, all good and well. But we didn't go out there and shout it from the rooftops in front of our sonographer colleagues. And even when we started to say stuff, we would have colleague, well, sonographer colleagues come up to us at conferences and and abuse us and say, you know, what do you think you're doing? This is wrong. Because they felt so strongly that point of care was, was a point of care ultrasound was a challenge to their um, professional work. Uh, and, and, you know, we all know about that political argument. I mean, even the morning, the morning after my ectopic pregnancy and emergency laparotomy, I answered a phone call from a colleague who, who I thought for some, I mean, the reason I answered it was I was in a world of pain and I needed to be distracted. But I also, um, I also thought, well, maybe she'd found out and was ringing me for some reason. And I was supposed to be speaking at a conference like two days later. Um, and I thought it might've been about that. And I said, well, I'll take this call. And it turned out that the conversation was to have a go at me to say, why are you teaching doctors this? This is ridiculous. Wow. You know, and the conversation that I had back, that was a, it was the third time I'd had a very vocal argument about this. And it was like, well, you know what? I've been the patient now. I'm glad the doctor had those skills. And this is not an argument you're going to win with me. Um, if I didn't have that point of care scan, okay, yeah, I still would have ended up in theatre, but it would have been a wild fishing trip, which might have meant a few extra minutes that I didn't have. Because mm-hmm. um, I, was, I was bleeding fast and it went from laparoscopy to laparotomy very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, the, you know, even now we face that sort of thing that, point of care ultrasound is a, is a, a new uh, retirement option for injured sonographers. And, and I kind of think of point of care ultrasound as like a subspecialty of ultrasound. It's a whole new field that requires a lot of training and a lot more understanding and a lot of skill development to understand the new applications. Um, so we don't quite fit the world of sonographers anymore and don't quite fit that tribe, but we also don't quite fit the doctor's tribe either because we don't have DR in front of our name. So we've had to sort of overcome that initially self-imposed hierarchical um, perception. You know, we were sort of thinking, oh, we're just sonography technicians. What could we teach doctors? But then as we got more confident with our skills and realised, well, we actually have a skill here and we know what we're talking about with regard to ultrasound and, and they don't know ultrasound so they can learn from us. We sort of overcame that in that teaching environment. But in the big bad world, we're still, we're still sonographers and not doctors. And in some places that does matter and others not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, originally we thought we were going to just run a run an ultrasound course and um you know needs a little bit of organization to run a course but it turns out that to run a business you need a whole lot more skills so you know we had to learn about how to set up accounts and you know payment processes and then how to do the accounting and tax and oh yeah that's then a how whole do you other... market yeah it's a whole, then, that's a whole other thing there yeah, how do you how do you market it? How do you navigate the the um, the hallways of the various colleges to get what you need, especially because you're not one of their fellows or you're not one of their members? And well, that's another thing so I've noticed. This. Yeah, I've noticed the trend. Uh, uh, I even taught in a medical school, but uh, what what happens now is they use anatomists um, for integrated programs, yeah. like M one or M two, because there's a 
especially in muscle skeletals, a lot of anatomy that a lot of sonographers are just short on those wide range yeah. of skills. So what, so with all that, yeah. do you see any more opportunities or challenges to POCUS education? Sounds like you've pretty much covered it. Well, I think the, the opportunities are that ultrasound is certainly broadening beyond the use in, in the emergency department. So the emergency guys have sort of paved the way and have sort of, you know, uh, held up the flag and said, hey, this is how we can use it. But now that can be applied and used in other fields like family medicine and internal medicine. So, you know, those fields I think are about to grow and um, pain medicine, sports medicine, uh, you know, I know that in, in the States at least there's more happening in undergraduate medical education, certainly in Australia. There's a couple of places that have started, but there's, there's room for that to certainly grow here. With the price of equipment coming down, it means that it's available in much more readily to everybody. Um, and that means that, that it can be available in resource limited settings as well. So, you know, for those guys where, where you can get a machine quite cheaply, it means that there's a technology and imaging that's now available that just wasn't available before. But I think the challenges, part of the challenges with the price of the equipment coming down is that that doesn't make this any easier to do. Just because the equipment's cheaper doesn't mean to make it easier. And I think one of the big challenges of ultrasound is that this, this misguided conception that doing ultrasound is easy. Certainly, you know, understanding when and how to use it and sort of recognising the pictures as normal or abnormal, that part of ultrasound is relatively easy. But getting the pictures is a whole different thing altogether. And you know, I don't know that too many people find that part of ultrasound easy. And now you've got equipment that is going to be cheaper than what the training is. And you have this, this situation where people want to go to a course a couple of days or a week, and they want to be able to do ultrasound at the end of that week. And certainly, you know, we face this question a lot, whether it be from a podiatrist or, you know, a obstetrician or... Any, any doctor, really, who comes in and says, you know, can you teach me everything you've learned in the last 15 years, 20 years of your career, and I want to learn it in two days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our answer is, well, can you teach me your career in a day and I'll come and deliver babies or, or I'll come <laughs> and do surgery or, you know, it, I think that the expectations of how easy it is to do ultrasound are quite unrealistic and that people want to be competent very quickly and it takes time and dedication and practice to develop the skills. Yes. And I think that's a real challenge because the, the problem is, is that with this being able to be used much more widely, the price of equipment coming down, you know, upskilling a workforce very quickly becomes very, very hard. And that's part of the reason why we developed the Train the Ultrasound trainers to specifically focus on the teaching skills involved in teaching ultrasound and to try to help with that problem. But you still have to be reasonably good, not necessarily the best there is, but you still have to have good skills to start with yourself so that you can understand when and how to use it, but also how to get the pictures yourself and have enough experience yourself so that you can explain that to your, to your learners. So, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity, but there's also is also that perpetual challenge of how to teach this quickly and efficiently so that people are safe and so that we can have those 
good clinical outcomes that make it safer for patients. Well, Sue Ann Pascoe, thank you for taking the time to be here on today's show. I uh, appreciate the audience for listening in. Do not forget that for even more POCUS Talk, follow us on Twitter at POCUS Academy and on Facebook at POCUS Cert Academy. Sue Ann, it was an honor to have you as our podcast guest today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, then. Bye-bye. See you later. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, Focus on Pocus. Be sure to tune in with us next week for more interviews with thought leaders that are on the forefront of global point-of-care ultrasound. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests and not those of Intelios. This podcast is for information purposes only.